Our subject tonight is uh, sanctification being set apart um, for God or to God, and it's part two. Uh, so we're we're picking up where we left off last week. Uh, it's the second element of sanctification, which we're going to develop in a moment. I'd like to take uh, a short reading first, please. And this is First Corinthians uh, chapter one. First Corinthians one. And this is really just to try and bring together as a reminder for us what we've been considering over the last uh, number of weeks. Uh, just as a summary before we move into this second aspect of sanctification that we're considering tonight. because I think a summary might be helpful for us. So it's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. Um, Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, it is because of him, that's God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So this is where we've been camped out for the last number of weeks, thinking about the transformation of our status in the eyes of God. That is as a consequence of God's work in us and comes to us by faith, our faith in Christ Jesus as our savior. This phrase that's uh, used here in uh, verse 30, in Christ Jesus, is used 86 times in the New Testament by Paul and Peter and the writer of Hebrews, and it describes our position before God, our status. We're identified as being in Christ, and it's otherwise known sometimes in books we might read or when people would give Bible talks as union with Christ, union with Christ. It's a, it's a permanent change of status that comes to us at the moment of faith when Christ Jesus is known by us to be the savior that God has provided. And it's an eternal change of status. We move from being what's counted as being an in Adam with everything that goes with that sin and slavery to sin and darkness and death. We're then transferred uh, to be in Christ, to be counted with him. And all that is Christ's is counted to us. And that's what Paul is reminding the church of God in Corinth here. He says that Christ is our redemption. It's in Christ that the payment that we as sinners could never pay to God to secure freedom from sin and slavery to sin, Christ has paid that. God in Christ has paid that. And God is satisfied in Christ. And when we're counted in Christ, Christ has paid the price that we could never pay. Also says that Christ is our righteousness. It's counted to us whenever we put our trust in Christ, who has lived the righteous life that we could never live as rebel sinners. And this is what the word justification means. It means that we have been pronounced by God to be righteous in his sight, not by our own righteousness, 
but it's because of Christ's righteousness. And therefore, we're no longer under the condemnation that comes to us because of sin. In Christ, God is satisfied with regards to Christ's righteousness, which is counted to us when we put our faith in Christ Jesus as Savior. It also says in this text that it's in Christ that we know holiness, or he has become for us holiness. This is this word that's related to sanctification. It's the same, it's the same, word, same word in the Greek. It means being set apart to God. And as we were thinking last week, we've, we've been set apart to God in Christ. So at that moment of faith and the working of God that brought that about for us, God now views us as being in Christ. And this is God's wisdom in his salvation. It's not something that humanity could come up with. This is what God has brought about. That's why it's described as the wisdom from God. Some Bible versions say that um, Christ has become for us wisdom from God and righteousness and holiness <clears throat> and redemption. I'm not exactly sure what uh, we should go with here. The NIV says that he has become wisdom from God and then explains that with him becoming our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Whatever it is, it's just reminding us of a change of status that is permanent. It's a change of position before God. Where Christ is and all that Christ possesses becomes ours. When God looks at us, he views us as being in Christ. So this holiness that's mentioned here is us having been set apart to God in Christ. And where's Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in God's estimation, all those who have put their faith in Christ are counted as being there. It's a positional thing. And that's why the sanctification that we considered last week is often referred to as positional sanctification. It's a permanent change of state, a spiritual thing that's happened, that we're counted as being in Christ, and all that belongs to Christ comes to us, and we're with God because we are in Christ. It's God's work, not ours. At every stage up to this, it's God's work to change our position before him eternally. We thought last week of, <clears throat> excuse me, of how sanctification is related to the word holiness. It means to make holy. To, and the prime sense of, of the word holy is to be set apart to something. Now, quite often, we would think of holiness to do with purity. That is an aspect of the word holy. And when we think that God is set apart from us, he is holy, holy, holy God, then obviously anything that is set apart to him is then um, in contrast to what it was before. Something or someone that is set apart to God for particular service is made holy, is separated from what contaminates. And um, what we're thinking about this week is the sanctification that is a process that is ongoing in our lives. We're seeing one aspect of it that is a positional thing, spiritually counted as being in Christ, set apart to God forever in Christ, and that can never be changed. But there's this aspect then of purity that 
has a demand on us as disciples as we live now. We live this life knowing that sin is still a reality in our experience. So while we are perfect in Christ, it's not in the sense of having achieved sinless perfection or having completed holiness in our current or present life. God has not given that to us in our existence here as we live in this world. We have a complete and a whole relationship with God through Christ and by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. That's the perfection that we're thinking of. But we have not become sinless. Jesus invites his followers to live a life that begins to resemble day by day more of him and his conduct and his character. And that's this element of sanctification, this ongoing process in our lives here and now that we're focusing on tonight. We have not been made perfect and sinless in this life here. Go to Romans chapter 7 and you can see the Apostle Paul describing there the difficulties he has as a Christian, able to discern what is good and what is not good, and the struggle that he has in being able to always choose that which is good according to God's standards, because the old nature still persists, and he quite often will do that which is contrary to God's things rather than that which delights God. It's the struggle of life as a disciple. There are really three stages of sanctification. I just want to give these to you quickly. The first one is this, at this moment of faith that we've already considered, the moment of faith in Christ Jesus as Savior, we are counted in Christ. That's positional sanctification. That was God's work and it has happened for all of us who are genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him for salvation. What we're moving into is now considering what's been termed as progressive sanctification. It's the transformation of our lives as disciples here and now in that we become more like Christ as we learn from him as helped by the Holy Spirit and instructed by God's word. So you have positional sanctification, last week's topic, progressive sanctification, which is where we're at tonight. And then you have something that's known as perfected sanctification, being set apart to God permanently in all aspects of our being. And that is yet to come. And that's otherwise known as glorification that still awaits us. And we're going to consider that in a couple of weeks time. So I'm not going to say anything more on that. I want us then to focus in now on this progressive sanctification. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 29, he says, those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That seems to be a summary statement of God's intention in choosing us in eternity past that we might in this life and then into eternity, be conformed to the image of his son. With that in mind, if you wouldn't mind turning to 1 Peter chapter 1, 
I want us to see how this positional sanctification and this progressive sanctification are, are mentioned by Peter in his opening uh, couple of verses in his first letter. So Peter chapter one, and we're going to read verses one and two. Peter says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Hope you can see it there. We've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That's the positional sanctification, the work of God by his Spirit in us to bring us to life and to see the Savior as the Savior and to put our trust in him. And at that moment, we are counted in Christ. It's the work of the Spirit to bring us into that. But what's the purpose of it? That we would be obedient to Jesus Christ. This brings us into this matter of um, living a life of a disciple. It's about life transformation. It's becoming what God already sees us as in Christ, reflecting that in this life here and now. It's the life transformation that results from a disciple's willing partnership with the Holy Spirit. That's with God's help where the disciple's life and character increasingly resembles the character and conduct of Jesus Christ. Go with me to Luke chapter 9, if you will. Luke chapter 9. We'll hear the words of the Lord Jesus as um, he's talking to the people who are listening to him. And Luke chapter 9 and verse 23 says, then he said to them all, so this is Jesus saying to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. The Lord Jesus asks a lot of those who claim to be his followers, his disciples, that we give up our lives, that we take up a cross. Now, when somebody took up a cross in the Roman world, they were no longer in control of anything. Their life was gone. There was only one destination, and they were going to be pinned to that cross, and that was the end of their life. Jesus himself was going to go that way. And miracle of miracles and marvel of God's grace is that he would submit himself to that same experience so that we might be brought into God's great salvation. Jesus elsewhere, Matthew 11, we know these words. Jesus invites those who follow him and are prepared to give up the things that we might choose for ourselves and set them aside and rather go after the things that he has come to bring us into. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the life that Jesus invites us into. It's what Peter referred to in those verses, obedience to Jesus Christ. 
is coming alongside him in service and allowing that intentional way of life to transform us to become more like him. I want us to see that there are three vital active elements in this progressive sanctification, this gradual transformation of us becoming more like Jesus in this life here and now. Three aspects, three elements that are active. One is the work of the Holy Spirit who has come to indwell every believer. He is the Spirit who gives life, Romans 8 verse 2. The second living element is the scriptures, the word of God that he has given to us. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says it's alive and active. And the third element that needs to be active in this progressive sanctification, this gradual change of life, is the saint, us. Saint means one who is holy, one who has been set apart to God. And in Romans 6.11, we're told that we're alive to God in Christ Jesus. So there are three living elements that are vital to be alive so that this process of transformation can occur. The spirit, the scriptures, and the saint. One of my favorite texts, I think captures this very well. So Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, Second Corinthians chapter three, and verse 17 and 18. Second Corinthians 3, 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. You see it all tied up in there. You've got the work of the spirit. The spirit has brought us into this life, which is true freedom according to God's standards. But notice as well that um, we're to behold the Lord's glory with unveiled faces and contemplate that. And in the context of 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 7 onwards, it's all to do with God's word. You need to go back up and read that section and see that Paul is speaking about what God has given in his word. And we contemplate the Lord's glory, his perfections, as he modeled them in his life here on earth, we contemplate them in God's word, the scriptures. So we see the spirit. Notice the end of verse 18. It comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And we, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory in the scriptures. But the third element is at the start of verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, it requires the um, engagement of the saint to engage with the scriptures to contemplate the glory of the Lord and that the spirit then will take that and by his work in our lives as those three active elements are working together there will be this transformation and it's described by, by Paul of being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, 
step by step, we become more like Jesus. That's amazing. It's not something we can generate on our own. Those three elements must be there. Here's a, here's a warning for us. If, if we are, are a Christian and we're not in God's word reading it, that we might see God at work and we might see that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's purposes, then we're missing a vital element that would transform us to be like the Lord Jesus. The spirit cannot work if we're not in God's word. And this transformation, it begins in the mind. And when we come to God's word, we're engaging our minds as we, as we come. And the spirit comes and does his work to help us in our minds. Now, mind in the scripture really is the control center of everything we are. And we need to change our minds. And when we change our minds, it impacts every other area of life. It changes our, it affects our will. It affects our emotions. It affects our actions. That's why Paul in Romans 12, in this matter of giving ourselves to this sort of life, uh, said, in view of God's mercy, he said, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. There's that notion again of giving up life, that we might enjoy this life, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. If we want to be able to discern what is good in God's estimation, then we'd be in God's word. And by God's word used and taken by the Holy Spirit, it comes into our minds and our thinking changes to be more like the thinking that Jesus had so that we would choose that which is good and right. We, we willingly give ourselves. Paul says we offer our bodies, but he recognizes that that comes only when the mind has been engaged with what God has given us in his word. And the spirit then can take that to bring about this transformation in our experiences, active moment by moment choices and decisions to obey God and to follow Christ. Empowered by the spirit of God, guided by the word of God, and always activated by our faith in God. You know, Paul describes this as taking off the old self and putting on the new self. And in Ephesians uh, 4, verse 24, he says, put on the new self. It's created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The new self has been created to be like God. That's what he wants for us. I'd like you to turn to John chapter 17 as well, please. John 17. And see an astounding statement that the Lord Jesus makes when he's praying to his father. And this is the night that he's going to later on be captured and taken and the next day will be crucified. But look at um, verse 17. This is his prayer to his father for his disciples. He says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So there's the reminder again that God's word is the standard that can instruct us as to what is right. Verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, this is the verse, 
For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. That verse 18, for them I sanctify myself. That, that word sanctify there in its setting really has the, the idea of an animal having been set aside to God for sacrifice. Jesus knew what he was going to have to endure. And his very going to the cross, that he might lay down his life, that he might give himself to God and give himself that we might be saved. God giving him so that we might be brought into all the blessings of God. He says, I'm setting myself apart to this. Here was the eternal son of God as a man. And he says, for them, I sanctify myself. That's for you and me. The savior dedicated his everyday moments of active choosing to choose the will of God, setting himself apart for that, knowing that it was going to take him to the place of sacrifice, ultimate sacrifice. But he knew for the joy that set before him, he would endure that. Look at the verse again, verse 19. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus gives himself so that we might be truly sanctified. That's what he wants for us. Yes, we have been set apart to God in Christ Jesus by faith. But in this life, there's this engagement with the scriptures and with the spirit of God as we actively give ourselves to bring about this gradual transformation from one degree of glory to another. And Christ gave himself so that that might happen for us. And, you know, that's going to bring us to be among God's holy people. We don't have time to explore this in a lot of depth, but go and read First Peter chapter 2. And Peter there is instructing um, his followers, the Lord's followers. He's saying to them, realize what you're a part of. He says, you, you like living stones have been built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, a set apart group of people engaged in God's service offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If we're sanctified according to the truth, that's going to bring us into God's house. And Peter goes on to say, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that's identifiable because not just on our own, but together with others, we are identifiable as people who are being transformed to be more like Christ. We're God's special possession, Peter said, that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is God's intention for us, that we might actively give ourselves to see the Lord's glory and contemplate it in his word. And the spirit then will take that in our lives and bring about a gradual transformation where sin becomes a thing that is increasingly abhorrent to us and whatever the cost we will go after Christ and we will give ourselves to choosing in every moment those things that bring delight to God Jesus has shown us the way 
he demands the same of us as he gave himself to as well. Now, we could not do that if it was not for the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We praise God for his salvation and this ongoing work that God will do in us. But it does require us to partner with him to bring about this change day by day in our experience. It's all for his glory.